0: Hey everybody, it's Brad Williams and Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by White Cloud e-cigarettes. We're not saying you should start smoking, but if you
1: already do, awesome. And if you've ever wanted to try an e-cigarette, these are the ones to go with. White Cloud e-cigarettes offers over 20 flavors. That's almost as many as Baskin-Robbins. 20 flavors and 6 nicotine strengths. It's cheaper than other e-cigarettes that you'll see at convenience stores and with much more variety. White Cloud e-cigarettes, sponsors comedians they've been doing it for over two years now they've also sponsored uh comedy festivals like the boston comedy festival and the orlando indie comedy festival if you've ever been curious about trying an e-cigarette i have well the fling is the low cost no commitment way to do so and the fling offers same day ups shipping on orders before 6 p.m eastern but is there a website? Customers can go to wcecigs.com. That's wcecigs.com. But we want to make sure our listeners get them for cheap. So is there a coupon code? To get 25% off of the order, use the coupon code ALN Podcast. That's ALN Podcast at wcecigs.com to get your White Cloud e-cigarettes today. And now, enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Huh? My home. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. What an episode today! Holy shit, we uh we went on location for this one. Uh, a guest that we've been trying to lock down for a few months now, but uh, hey, he has a giant movie that's in theaters right now, just came out this past weekend, and uh, our boy Jerry Ferrara hooked us up. And, uh, and we stayed uh, in contact. And then uh, Brad went to a charity event uh, a few nights ago um, that uh, Bob Saget puts on that was just star-studded. I mean, Don Rickles, John Stamos, Jeff Ross, John Mayer, the entire cast of Entourage, uh, including our guest, who is the writer-creator of my fucking one of my favorite shows of all time, uh, Entourage, and his name is Doug Ellen. I'm sure you've seen it on the credits every time you watch a show, and of course, uh, at the end of the uh, credits for the movie that just came out, um, of course, with the same name, Entourage the Movie, uh, I went to an advanced screening with Jerry. Uh, he was kind enough to, uh, let me come along when they did his private screening for the Wisconsin basketball team during the NCAA tournament and met Doug briefly there. And then Brad met him at this charity show. Couldn't be a cooler dude. Just such a fucking guy's guy. We met him at a hotel in Beverly Hills that he was uh, having a meeting at right after we did the podcast, gave us an hour and just, and just chatted us up on everything we wanted to hear. Uh, his early stand-up days in New York city, which was crazy. Um, working his way uh, up from the mailroom, which is so crazy when you see a guy this successful. To just you would just assume these people just come to Hollywood and they get these writing jobs and they just it's it all starts. But this guy worked from very little to become uh, you know one of the most sought after uh, dudes in the business, and uh, obviously everyone wants to work with him and be a part of uh, the Doug Ellen brand, as you see in the fucking show. That he created. Uh, we talk about how that happens. Meeting Mark Wahlberg, becoming buds with, uh, hey, my hometown hero Russell Wilson, and shares just a lot of fun entourage stories. And uh, oh, and and being a, a writer for the Bonnie Hunt show. There's an incredible story uh, there too that I don't think he's ever told before. Uh, follow Doug on Twitter at Mr. Doug Ellen. He's also that on Instagram. And uh, and of, go, of course, go see Entourage, the movie in theaters right now. I can't uh, recommend it enough. Even if you're uh, not a fan of the show, it's just a fun fucking ride. An entertaining movie. The story's great. The characters, uh, as you know from, from watching the show as much as I do, are just so fun. And uh, he crushed it, man. So go see the movie. Follow him on Twitter at Mr. Doug Ellen. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Ray Comedy. Follow Brad on Twitter at Funny Brad. Stand up comedy. I will be at the Laugh Factory in Los Angeles tonight at 10 o'clock. Get your tickets at LaughFactory.com. Of course, you can see me headlining the Irvine Improv tomorrow night at 8 o'clock in Irvine, California. The Irvine Improv Me, headlining Comedy Juice. Get your tickets at Improv.com. And then in San Diego, I'm going to be headlining the Madhouse Comedy Club, downtown San Diego at 8. Uh, And then right after that, one of my favorite shows in the country, Beachwood, the uh, great bar show that our boy Josh Nelson... Has, uh, created, I think it's running five years strong, and it's one of the best shows in San Diego. It's at Beachwood in the Pacific Beach area. Uh, I think it's on Mission Avenue. Check it out. Show up. Uh, pretty sure it's free. They pack it in. It's just a fun fucking insane energy. I'm really pumped to do that show. Uh, that'll be around 9, 45, 10 o'clock. Uh, of course, that's June 10th, Wednesday in San Diego. And then, uh, of course, I'll be coming to Scottsdale, Arizona, headlining the Scottsdale Laugh Factory in Scottsdale, Arizona, June 25th through the 28th. Get your tickets at laughfactory.com. And then, of course, hometown shows, Bellevue, Washington, The Parlor Live, July 9th through the 11th. Get your tickets at ParlorLive.com. Brad Williams, where's he going to be? Well, he's going to be at the Richmond, Virginia Funny Bone this weekend. Go see Brad, Richmond, Virginia Funny Bone. Uh, You know, Brad Williams is always a great show. His his special fun size just came out. You'll probably see a couple of those hits, but you'll probably see a ton of new material, too, because that's what Brad does. And then, of course, Syracuse, New York. Brad Williams, June 18th through the 21st at the Funny Bone in Syracuse, New York. Get your tickets at FunnyBone.com com. estoymerchandise.com is where you can get all your ABLN uh, merchandise needs mugs shirts, come on, Roni and the Quave shirts they're still out there, they're still ready to be fucking worn by you, show your support for the podcast, wear your Roni and the Quave and and uh, and About Last Night shirts at our shows, we'll sign them for you, spread the word on the podcast, tell people to go to aboutlastnightpodcast.com to get all past episodes with Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Melissa McCarthy, Bob Saget, Bobby Lee, Andrew Santino Adam Devine uh, uh, the list goes on and on uh, Steve-O, Dr. Drew, we got some really dope guests coming up, uh, you know, Billy Gardell was when we just had our buddy Tone Bell, who's on a new show with Mark Paul Gossler coming out this fall on NBC. That episode's coming up. Uh, Brent Morin is coming back to the show for a, a record setting fourth appearance on the podcast, and he always brings it super hard uh, when he's on the podcast. <laughs> fucking is probably a cleaner way I could have said that. Uh, Speaking of hard, it gets me hard when you guys comment on the iTunes page for the podcast. Go to About Last Night on the iTunes podcast page. Leave a five star rating Take two seconds And just type a comment You guys are fucking cool Love the podcast Brad's a midget Adam's a Jew You guys are fun Whatever it is Take two seconds Leave a comment Helps us climb the podcast charts Now that we got all the podcast info out of the way Those are the Twitter handles That's the merch info Those are the tour dates Ladies and gentlemen Sit back, relax, and enjoy A very fun special episode Of the About Last Night podcast With the writer and creator of Entourage Damn It's Doug Allen
0: Uh, now nah, we're Sorry, just to yeah. go, yeah. we're we, good. Right? right, this is a very sort of uh, forgive the pun, but entourage moment That's right serious. now. Nice. <laughs> uh, I want to talk
1: briefly about how you guys met, and then how you and I met. Even though uh, it was probably a bigger deal for me than it was for you. Uh, <laughs> very
2: big deal for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great screening.
1: Uh, that was a great screening. <laughs>
2: Too bad we couldn't get that victory. One more win. A couple Fuck, baskets. Dude. We were so close.
1: So you are. So uh, Jerry, I was playing basketball with Jerry. Which, by the way, I don't know if he told you, but uh, one of his buddies in that game, uh, like Mike Young, also a buddy of mine, was playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, was on the Mike Young's like white chocolate, right on the basketball court. I don't know if you've seen him. All right, <laughs> Mike See? Young's.
2: My, uh, first of all, it's my game. That was my game for a. Decade. You started that game. I started that game. No it kidding. Was, it was well, it Let from me, me thank you. It was taken from me. Mike Young is my friend. Mike Young was my first friend in LA 22 years ago. Nice, which is really disgustingly insane to even <laughs> say that out loud. Wow. But so yes, I know Mike Young. I don't want to give him all that credit. He is good. He, <laughs> Uh, he does have don't some worry. skills. Mike Young will give Mike Young exactly. All why do we <laughs> need to? Fine. Why do we need to give him? I a guess minute. I was so
1: impressed because Mike. Not that he's not an athletic looking dude, but some of the moves he was making, I was like a lot of no look passes. Yeah, and Mike
2: I, is a very good athlete and strong, strong hands. Yeah. And I don't like that you say he's not an athletic dude, because as Mike likes to tell everyone, everywhere he goes, people go, you Doug Allen's brother? Because they think, like, we have some similarities. But he is a very good, very good and very much stronger than you would think. Totally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so after that game, uh, Jerry invites me to a screening that you guys held at Warner Brothers for the Wisconsin basketball team, now, uh, which was incredible, by the way. I'd never seen uh, Kaminsky. Uh, Jerry was telling me that he cried when he met you guys. <laughs> I
2: don't know if he cried, but Frank was very excited, and he's yeah. uh, probably more excited to meet Jerry than me, although now we've become friends. But my friend, um, Kenny Dichter, who we were, we were just talking about off line who um, owns a company called Wheels Up that he right. just bought yeah. like the, the, the right to put a blanket over American Pharaoh who just won the Belmont yeah, yeah. 20 seconds ago. So yeah. everyone of my friends from childhood are freaking out that Kenny just made this bet yesterday and it pulled off. But uh, By
1: the Ken- way, I want a friend so badly. I want, I want to find out one of my friends bought a private jet company so
2: badly. <laughs> you know, my friend has been, you know, my friend who helped us get LeBron and Matt Damon and Tom Brady on the show and Russell Wilson. So he no, introduced me it. to Wisconsin. Which I went to Tulane, but I've become a supporter of Wisconsin since Tulane. We're starting to get better at sports, but we haven't been great. So I've met a lot of great people, and that screening was uh, was great for us, you know. And uh, it was nice to meet those guys. They were. Two minutes away from the national championship, which would have been incredible. Man. I know, insane. Um, so, but anyway, so yeah. So
1: that's your, uh, so your Wisconsin, and that's. Uh, I'm very curious about that too, because becoming friends with so many athletes, and now because of the show, yeah. like which Brad and I talk about all the time, is like to us the coolest part of this business. When you get to a point, if you're a, uh, a big sports fan, to where the guys you look up to are now like want to meet you or are a fan of your shit.
2: It's the best, you know? And I I was just sitting at the Grove and and Kalias Mm -hmm. Campbell from the Cardinals was like, it's like, hey, Doug, you know? And everyone (laughs) I'm with is like, how do you know him? Yeah, dude. And it is, I'm not jaded. Enough to not appreciate how great it is right. to, to spend time with these people and who are the best at what they do, and not because they're celebrities, just their excellence impressed me and their work ethic and all of that stuff. So. But how
1: do you balance the fandom, and this is, oh, I guess, what I'm building up to, is uh, obviously I'm a diehard Seattle everything, uh, and uh, I know you're uh, buzz with Russ, but also have ties to the Pats. So when that Super Bowl went down,
2: that Super Bowl was extremely difficult for me and it's different. Tom Brady, who I, I honestly love, yeah. is a is a a good acquaintance. Okay. Russell Wilson is one of my close, close friends. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had I got to to ride it with Russell a little because Kenny introduced me to Russell five years ago at Wisconsin. And yeah. to be honest with you, I had no you know, I watched a couple of games. I'm like, he looks pretty good to me. I could have never imagined this. And, uh, you know, I was in the locker room at halftime during the Rose Bowl, and Russ walked by and was like, we got this. I mean, the man is, is the coolest, calmest. I took him out with Jerry Ferrari yeah. and Kevin Connolly, I think, a day or two after the NFL draft. And everyone was like, who is he? I'm like, the Seahawks just drafted him. And they were like, "As what? I'm like, he's their next quarterback. And everybody was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, Matt, you know, like, oh, Matt Flynn is going to yeah. totally yeah. pan out. Matt <laughs> Flynn had a huge contract. Yeah, Russell right. is – he's just – He's not a big guy, you know, and you don't look at him and go, he's going to be the starting quarterback who's going to go to the NFC Championship, Super Bowl, Super Bowl in his first three years. But yeah, boy, the, remember that man, Super Bowl, Brad? Uh, I, I don't like to talk about that. Diehard Super Bowl. Broncos family went you know, together. It, the, it, yeah. was, it was very hard for me, though, because I wanted I wanted both of them to just achieve, which yeah, sure. I think I think they did. Brady proved. In my mind, he's the greatest to ever play the game by beating that defense in the fourth quarter. Right, and Russell had an amazing game, and you know it, it's—I it, don't like the call, and I'm not just saying this because he's my friend. He threw the ball where it was supposed to be. It's a bad call with the wrong personnel, and if, if he had Gronk on his team or even you know Jimmy Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham, he's not getting knocked over like he's no, my 11 year old son. You know, yeah. he runs that guy over and it's a touchdown. But that being said, it's just an obscenely bizarre call. So, Absolutely, yeah. So, but it was very upsetting, and I was sitting with my, uh, my son, and I was actually videotaping, because he loves Russell. He hasn't really met Tom, but he knows Russell yeah. well. So he was, uh, he was um, just watching, and I was videotaping, because the game was over. There was after uh, Curse made the catch to sure. me. Oh, I would God. have bet, I would have bet should... every dollar I had, the game was <laughs> they over. They cut to the Tyree catch after that. So, yeah. so I was videotaping my son, and the heartbreak on his face was, you know, But before those two plays, it was a great game. Russell played great. Tom did what he did, and it's a shame it ended that way. Now,
1: let me ask you this. Being close friends with him, how much time do you allow before you send a text or any sort of? Right after.
2: And Russell is, I I mean, by the way, Tom, what I know, the the limited time I've spent with him, they both have this incredible ability to move forward. It's not like neurotic Jew shit that I have. (laughs) Hey, you're preaching to the choir, man. Because I can't. I can't get over it and I'm telling you Russell not that he's over it he grows from it and he and I look at him as an inspiration because he really he looks at it like something that's going to make him stronger and, and you know it's, and he's um, just
0: I mean that whole thing that uh, Bill Belichick does when he just goes on to the next one that's not just a phrase like they literally you know, have that mindset it's,
2: it's not faking. you know I texted Russell from the game, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he texted me, just love you, brother. Later, and uh, See, I we'll hit him up on Facebook,
1: time, and he still hasn't gotten back to me. Uh, <laughs> he is,
2: he will get back to. You. He's really one of the nicest people I know. It's so uh,
1: funny you say that. neurotic Jew ju- I mispronounced the Via hafta at my bar mitzvah, <laughs> and I still haven't gotten over it. And I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, so you you grew up in New York, New York, because uh, you were in the Yanks cap, yeah, die hard. Yep. Uh, yep. you I, you started
2: stand up comedy? You started stand up comedy? Yeah. Comedy, yeah. And mean, and why, like what got you into that and then why did you stop doing it? Um you know, competing with Mike Young is impossible. So, <laughs> it's always going to go back. to I that. mean, honestly, r- without bullshit, that was my calling. That was my mm-hmm. true calling. I stopped doing it because I'm fucking lazy and because I hate. I number one, and I know you're both. Jerry tells me you're both amazing. I have not seen you. I want to. Okay. I hate comedians. I hate. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not an on comedian. I don't sit at right. tables and do bits, and I right. don't. You know. So, so. So you're not the guy w- w- that after his set would love to hang out in the park about no, the comedy store. No, like I'm yeah. anti-entourage. Yeah, even. though... You know, as Jerry will tell you, I'm a very popular guy with my childhood friends. Yeah, yeah. I just like to see them, and you know, in where I want. I don't want to be in that totally And also, I'm not a late night person. I'm not a that's big a big part drinker. of it. Yeah, mm. and uh, I just I, you know, I wish I did have the heart for it because I loved being on the stage. I was going to say, what got you initially... So what got me into it initially was I got rejected from every law school. I was sitting in... uh, I always wanted to be Woody Allen, Albert Brooks. That was my dream Mm -hmm. growing up. I wanted to write, produce, direct movies, but I did nothing of the sort ever. It wasn't like... It wasn't in my family. It wasn't in my neighborhood. There was just nothing. So yeah. I was on my way to law school. I got rejected from everywhere. And we were at, uh, I was with a bunch of friends at a, at a comedy club and some comedian was on. And like I normally do, I'm like, this guy sucks. <laughs> I mean, he sucks. This is insane. One of my friends signed me up for an amateur night Get and uh, I did it and it went well, you know. Yeah. And, uh, do you remember what you talked about? Yeah, I remember all of my standup sets. You know, <laughs> I had lots of stuff. I was observational kind of, like yeah. Dennis Miller type mm-hmm. of stuff and whatever. Um, and uh,
1: but, but you I, got enough of a bug from from that, even though you realized it wasn't. What I didn't you... have
2: anything else to do. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea what to do. My parents were going to kill me that I wasn't going to law school, and, and uh, it was just like get a job. So it was you know just something to do, and I didn't really know why I was doing it. I knew no one in the business. I ended up working at, working at New Line Cinema, but my whole career started because of stand-up. Because at New Line, I was in the mailroom, and yeah. I uh, was going to do a short film. I wrote this short film. And I, handed, I hand The pitch. Mm-hmm. There you go. We saw it. And um, I handed out flyers to everyone to come see me do stand-up. I needed to raise money for, for my movie. So and you done stand-up
1: how many times at this point when you're trying to get people to come see you?
2: 30? Yeah. And I, wow. well, I'll, t- I'll tell you about because I... I my hand to God, I never bombed except once, which I'll tell you about. Nice. <laughs> so I did my stand up act, and Mike DeLuca, who was VP of New Line at the time and yep. now is one of the bigs of the business, yeah. wrote, he was young at the time, he was probably 28, 30. He wrote me a check for 10 grand and said, Go make a short film. Holy he liked shit my stand up So I did the short film. I ended up selling it to Showtime and got into the American Film Institute, and that started. And then I, I quit, but I probably did stand up in my life. Fifty, sixty times, yeah, maybe, maybe wow. less. And All amateur nights. I mean, you know, and
0: the, the whole concept of that of having executives from New Line come to see you when you've only done stand up
2: thirty times is yeah. insane. Because yeah.
1: especially when they're trying to get Ninja Turtles made, you're distracting them yeah. from <laughs> casting the voice yeah. of Splinter.
2: You know what? It was it was it was a very fortunate thing, and like he respected I said, the hustle.
1: Right? He just saw that you were he dug you you. were you a cool guy in the mail I like
2: like to think he respected my uh, stand up you know but but I actually uh, like I said I I mean this I mean my stuff was smart it was well written and it was Mm -hmm. you know less reliant on any type of you know Pageantry. But uh So so like you weren't relying on being a midget and giving someone a lap dance at the at the end of your set as as, as, as a cheap foot trick. Whatever works and I don't care whatever you do to get people laughing, but I uh I I did well and you know, my first time ever doing stand up Mm -hmm. ever was at the Ice House. Yeah. Pasadena, yeah. In Pasadena. And again, my hand to God, this person right out of Hollywood, I'm twenty one comes over to me and says you're a genius. You're the next big thing. I want to find you. So you're like, I'm, I'm 21 years old. I'm like, really? So you're this, like, is, that's, a, that's this is totally Holland true. Works, I and she's like, I want to sit down tomorrow, and I want to do this. This is not made up. And I go, I'm leaving for New Orleans tomorrow. And she's like, you call me tomorrow first thing. And we're going to talk about this. Guys, I swear on my life. I call the next day. Is it and Bonnie like, Hunt? She, she, tells me, she tells me she was on drugs and doesn't remember anything <laughs> about what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm like... Okay was, was she an actual executive Or was she just someone like... I have no idea I have no idea who she was I didn't, I didn't know anybody I was with uh, my girlfriend At the time And yeah. I got up And I did it And it it felt good By the way I was in New Orleans <laughs> no, Going my... I just got signed i <laughs> oh, Of course Finn. You're, you're like, that Here high. goes the career Here and then And then my my next thing I get uh, I do a stand up act And another guy comes up He wants to sign me Who turns out Is a real guy yeah. mm-hmm. He's like You're amazing You're gonna be this And I got an audition for you It's so perfect for you It's great And uh I'm like, all right, I go to this audition the next day. I walk in, and I've done this on the show. Everyone looks like fucking Brad Pitt, except Mm me. Everybody. It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm like, am I in (laughs) the (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I go into this audition, and it's... um, you know there's no script I have to improv being in between two women and I have to keep working one and then turning to the other oh, and then God. at one point I'm talking to one the other one gets up and a dude sits down and I turn and I say something to them right. and i was just supposed to improv it and I, I don't know whatever I say I say and then the casting director is like okay everybody but you stay oh, and oh, I swore I'd never go on another audition again which I didn't I Uh-oh. wrote the pitch immediately after that and um, was able to uh, with some childhood friend assistant I met David Schwimmer pre-friends and Ernie Hudson and uh, Johnny Silverman and got some some great people to do this little $11,000 short film so that Mike DeLuca financed the bulk of so holy shit
0: and one thing I love about your story is that uh, when people see kind of a big wigs in the business, and let's face it, you're a guy now that people want to know in this business. Uh, I don't know about that. Like, like people say, oh, well, his dad ran the studio, or his dad was an actor, whatever the hell. Like, you literally started in the mailroom. I started in the the
2: mailroom. I knew, and you know, I just wrote uh, with a couple of of friends, the this Ari Gold book, and I, I introduced it the first chapter. It's called the Gold Standard. It's out right now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was my story, which was my dad knew one person in here in this town, mm-hmm. and it was a guy in the uh, music business, and his name was was Myron Roth, and uh, <laughs> this was the only meeting I could get. And he called for 8 o'clock. I, I had a suit on. It was like my bar mitzvah suit. I never wore a suit. I didn't know in L.A. no one wears a suit except the agents yeah. and the losers. Yeah. But, yeah. So, so I'm like, I go into this meeting at 8 o'clock. I swear the guy doesn't show up till 10 o'clock. We walk into the meeting, and uh, I, he goes, so what do you want to do with your life? I go, to be honest, I have no idea. And he goes, well, why don't you call me when you do? And that was the end of the meeting, and <laughs> I used the rage and yeah. the anger of that But the New Line job came about from a a temp agency, um, and... I didn't know anything about it. New Line was just starting to blow up. They actually were very small at the time, and I, I talked my way into the, the head of the mailroom job. So I jumped over two people, which caused a lot of resentment there. One of sure. them turned out to be uh, who I did the short film with. Tommy O'Haver was his name, who yeah. ended up making a bunch of good films and, and still direct. So, but, yeah, I was in the mailroom and, and doing the whole thing. And uh, How much to- did you
1: observe from the mailroom? Because uh, I'm always curious. Uh, uh, the Ari Gold character, like I've heard stories that it's like based on ages yeah, that you actually. It's,
2: well, it's based on Ari Emanuel, and uh, you know, I'm an. I observe. That's what I do. Yeah. I'm usually, mm-hmm. except when I'm on a podcast. I'm usually quiet. <laughs> I'm looking at everybody and you know listening. But um, I met Ari Emanuel when we were pitching the show, and I had already written the script, a, a pitch as mm-hmm. Jeremy Piven playing my agent at the time. who was a guy named Jeff Jacobs. But when I met Ari. He was so unbelievably larger than life that I said, "This is the character." So
0: wow! And then, like the pilot, in in terms of like the first episode, was that what you envisioned Entourage to be, or did it go, or was that a sort of a different version of it?
2: It went through lots of changes. Essentially, Uh the same story, but HBO was very helpful and helped guiding it in a in a direction, a, a lighter direction which was the smarter move. Initially, you know, I was so focused on Mark and sort of how I grew up, and it was it was a much tougher entourage, you know? It was yeah, like, yeah. They were getting in fights and they were doing stuff. It was based like off that, Mark you know. and his buddies, right? It was, yeah. it was inspired Loosely. by that, yeah. and then as we mm-hmm. moved forward, you know, as I said, it became a more sensitive entourage, and, you know, um, Adrian was obviously very different than Mark, and he kind of led the way to how we were going to and mold it
1: so. yeah he was't an underwear model before yeah, no, uh, <laughs> no, we
2: don't want to see him in his underwear. <laughs> what uh, how did you meet Walbro even like get well Mark you know my uh, my friend from Tulane became a, a you know mailroom agent's assistant mm-hmm. he worked for Mark's agent they became close and then he left and became a manager and Mark went with him so I met him with Jeez, Mark wow. years and years before the show um, so I knew him and I knew his group and whatever so
0: and, and so so all that kinda of from these friendships that you've had like like you say your buddy just has his logo on American Pharaoh, your other buddy introduced you to Mark
2: Wall. Yeah, I got
1: a like I got a buddy that manages a Panera not too far. So <laughs> if we want to get some
2: these are these are my highly successful friends, let me assure yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, 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 a, yeah. a lot of the guys I grew up with, whether they're dead in jail or just complete <laughs> losers, I mean yeah I grew up like Goodfellas neighborhood. So I had no Doctor Katz living on this side and John Gotti's heroin dealer living on that side. what? And, uh, yeah, oh. for real and uh you know w- I mean, was that knowledge in your neighborhood was that just like I loved that, how I grew up and it was mm-hmm. interesting you know wolf of wall street stuff i know him from uh, when i was jordan young belfort and, what jordan belfort yes i know jordan i saw i saw the wolf of wall street with jordan belfort so oh my um, god who i'm so, talking to so I, so i grew up with a a lot of interesting characters that definitely helped shape me and you know listen like like mafia families when you grow up in that kind of middle to lower to middle class I don't want to say lower because we're middle class you yeah. know those relationships the houses are on top of each other and you grow up with these guys who are essentially like your brothers so right. you know, but but the the wheels up guy I have the picture with my with my wheels up friend is my friend from kindergarten I have the picture at our bar mitzvah I have the picture at our 25 year uh, reunion which is me him and knows. and our friend Christian Tarantino who when I walked in I said Chris you're not going to cause any problems tonight he said I've changed I've changed <laughs> Can look it up, Google it right now. He was arrested for six, <laughs> six murders within a month of that reunion, which was only four, four or five years ago. Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, get out, he's doing life right now, yeah, in New no, York. Ki- but, uh, like,
0: and, and was that something you guys had any
2: idea, or like you said, you told him to I make mean, love? Chris, Chris was, a you know, I was kidding, and Chris, you know, I know him since I was in kindergarten, I don't know what. All of his exploits were, and I, I loved love them. He was a, he was a handsome, nice, um, charismatic guy. You didn't want to mess with him for sure. But yeah. would I have imagined that? No, you know. But yeah. That, that
1: how, is, how much of the uh, the, the friendships uh, that you had growing up, um, and then once you and Mark start talking about the show, are you guys both pulling from your own? Because it's loosely based on his crew, yeah, but you're...
2: I, mean, I observed his crew, and then I made it my own. You know, yeah. and, and Lev was very involved with helping that. But the, fr- the friendships and the relationships, there's so many stories I've taken from my friends. There's so many characters I've named after my friends and elements. Yeah. So it really started as this initial Mark inspiration, and he was great enough to go, use what works, don't use what works. And he, he was just an awesome supporter, yeah. but, you know.
1: And how much of the uh, uh, just the, the core base of the characters did you know? Um, like who you wanted? I mean, like when uh, Kevin Dillon? I mean, did you have that type of guy in mind, or you were just? I
2: mean, it definitely. I mean, Mark has a real Johnny drama who's probably, you know, got the most similarities to the Kevin Dillon guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So when Kevin walked in, it was to me it was like, holy shit! How does how is this guy not like a giant comic star? I really think yeah. he's as good as anybody. So um, that was just. Luck. Do, do those casting things happen uh, a
1: lot of movies. I've been, I worked at a casting office when I first graduated for a couple of years and got to really be on the other side of it. And it's I love what, you know, in some of the episodes where, you know, you would be reading uh, yeah. or auditioning uh, uh, Johnny Drama, but it's like that stuff does happen a lot. Oh, but also, totally I'm curious how much from your end when your casting does, because you hear those stories of somebody walking in, they're like, as soon as
2: he walked in, we fucking loved how he smelled. And uh, like, honestly, <laughs> uh, I mean, I always tell everybody, uh, you're normally in or out or certainly out within 3 seconds sometimes before oh, wow. you even speak so actors who who take it personally yeah you're just not right for the role you know what i mean yeah. like, like it was with that commercial there was no reason for me to be there i don't look like <laughs> you know a west coast surfer model yeah. so there was no reason for me to be there and i was out before i ever spoke they just mm-hmm. were being polite which you know when you're casting 150 people a day some people lose their patience you know sure. i I, tr- I have tried I think, my entire career to not do what I did on the show. But there's others, as Kevin i will tell you, from his first audition of Entourage, there's other people that, you know, he was like his most uncomfortable room I've ever been in. Oh, so, shit. You wow. know, so it all, it, it all depends on, on who's on the other side of the table. But I try my best to make everyone feel good. But I usually know very, right. very, very quickly. I've made some mistakes, and I've missed out on people that I was wrong about. Yeah, I heard but, you say something on, <clears throat> I think it was on Jerry's podcast about... Haley? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Haley, I was... Uh, Haley Jalowski yeah that was definitely me just going uh, the guy from Sixth Sense great and I didn't really watch his tape and it was it sat on my desk for four or five months and I was desperate I could not find anybody and he is so far and above in a way the guy that he crushed it dude right crushed it and you know and again when you see we had some great actors and I try to make it work with some really good actors but they didn't have whatever the thing is that intangible for that role that you needed I mean um there's so
0: many great cameos in not just the series but also the movie. Is there anyone you've said no to? No, I don't say no.
2: <laughs> we have Gary Busey on. I don't say. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, You know, how do you I, wrangle him? By the way, <laughs> he's not easy. He's not easy. But, mm. Like, do you? Do you? you got to find what
0: planet he's on. Yeah. Learn the language. We try to
2: find a way if they're if they're. Interesting in my eyes, I mm-hmm. try to find a way, you know. So,
0: so, like, like for a guy like Busey, you just put the camera on him and say, "Guys, go around him," or I- is yeah. he?
2: Yeah, I mean, we just kind of pray, and he always delivers something interesting, you know. I mean, as Jerry will tell you, most of the scripts are all there, but right. Busey just does whatever he wants, and and it sometimes <laughs> is very magical. So, uh,
1: super curious about your writing process. Do you write? Uh, at, at what point uh, into the just um, uh, whole show did you start to? I don't know, just maybe really gra- understand everybody's characters and dynamics. And, and I
2: understood everybody's characters' dynamics in five minutes. Story has always been the hard part. Yeah, mm-hmm. Coming up with stories and, um, you know, I think most writers will tell you that. But, you know, dialogue and characters. I know these guys, like the back of my hand, I knew it, you know, before yeah. the pilot was halfway done. But just figuring out how to move the plots forward, how to keep them together but give them their own stuff. It was uh, challenging for me, anyway. Yeah, and and, I was hoping I'd be rich enough after this I'd never have to write (laughs) again. Did not pan out
1: that way. Yeah, because you never uh, see that struggle and process from uh, the the writing side. Because uh, you know, as somebody who me was, I told Jerry uh, it's my favorite show. So seen every episode probably forty times, and uh, to me, every every time
2: I watch a story unfold, I'm like, oh yeah, this is. It felt like that's yeah. what should be happening. It's it's, it's interesting, you know, because people do think it's like the easiest show on earth to write. And I defy people to go sit down and actually, you know, you can make fun of it and right. go, oh, Vince Vince is trying to get a yeah. movie. Go go sit down and write five characters in 30 minutes that have as much going on as that we had. It's yeah. not easy.
0: Absolutely. And, and the thing about it that I love is
2: that you manage to make the
0: Hollywood problems relatable right. to someone who's not in Hollywood? Because it, it's so easy to look at this guy, this uh, Vincent Chase character, and go, he's a movie star. Yeah. Why do I care? Yeah,
2: and hopefully, you know, what we always try to remind people of and what those actors brought to it is is that they are those working class guys who are in fantasy land. They appreciate yeah. it, but they also care about each other more than they care about all that stuff. So,
1: Yeah, that was, I think, the, that's a big theme that I think a lot of dudes yeah. resonated with. Because every group of dudes uh i mean i don't know who's i mean women obviously are big fans of the show too yeah but what is there like a split do you have like a breakdown of is I mean, it like definitely
2: higher male but uh we're trying you know we're trying to get every every woman in that we can i think guys really relate to it because they yeah. everyone's got that kind of crew with yeah. them you know and then everybody right. um, wants
1: that crew to be experiencing like those yeah. first few seasons i was living with two guys from uh, sc where i uh, went to school and we were all we'd watch it every sunday and every time it would end we'd look at each other and be like
2: all right, somebody get fucking famous so we can go do what we just watched. Yeah, and the truth is, you know, it's funny because that's what some the, some of the critics who I'm like, uh, you mm-hmm. know, are laughably, you know. Because critics, you know, they're guys who don't have friends. They yeah, right. They're guys who sit alone and watch fucking movies all day and can't accomplish anything. And, but, and, and but, they've got six different passwords to know, Pornhub. But my <laughs> friends, my friends that I grew up, they'll all tell you, you know. Like, I, mm-hmm. get a, I get a call that, you know, we're going to Camp Pendleton to meet Marines. They want to see the movie, you know. And my friend Kenny is, like, nice enough to donate a private jet to take us you know and and I go I, I call my friends from high school and I'm like you want to come this is like once in a lifetime and it makes, sure. it, it makes it much more special for me to appreciate it with guys who knew me when I like had no clue what I was going to do with my life when I had two nickels when, you know, everyone was going, what are you killing your parents? You got to get a job. You got to figure something out, you know? And, and, you know, I used to wake up when I was, you know, 24 years old in my freaking one bedroom apartment with four people living there. Oh, one was shit. like my best friend from elementary school with a shower curtain in the living room with two people split <laughs> up and going what am I gonna do with my life you know and, and yeah. when you get to a place where you can do something special like watch you know watch the movie with the Wisconsin Badgers right before you play oh, yeah, playing dude. for the National Championship oh, yeah. it's special stuff and you want to share it with people that were there before so. yeah
1: how often do you think, have moments like that throughout your just day where you're getting
2: reminded of just how well like, right now with the movie on it, it's crazy you know it feels sure. like i'm somebody that i'm not you got to be careful because i mean i'm walking in the grove and people are like doug allen let me get a picture my kids are watching like who are you like because <laughs> obviously i'm not a celebrity but there is a uh, a moment where people happen to recognize my face and it's interesting and like, do you like it a, um i like i like to feel that people are enjoying the movie yep. which mm-hmm. i really do feel you feel a buzz and you know you, the worst thing in the world is when the people that you respect are telling you like yeah it's all right like it's, it's right. one thing to wake up and have some jerk off at the new york times not like it but when the people that you really know understand it yeah um if they don't like it that would suck so yeah. it feels it feels yeah, it feels nice. Calais Campbell from the Cardinals just walked up here. Yeah, it's so of great. Of my
0: friends. And- I mean, that show you created like this male sort of fantasy factory, in that like I I literally have an entourage bucket list. Right. Like 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 stuff I saw from the show that I'm like, well, now I'm in show business, so now I want to do. So when I went to and I did. Jimmy Kimmel Live. It was like, done. I've done an entourage thing. When I uh, sat courtside of the Laker game, it was like, I've done an entourage yeah, thing. meet I mean, Doug Ellen's dog. That was like I mean, number 45 on there.
2: Thing. Yeah. You know what? It's, 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 that's the thing. And that's what I think some people don't get when they call these guys douchebags. They are sharing it with people who, who otherwise couldn't have that. Right. And they're not... You know, they're not trying to make anyone else feel bad about it, and they're very inclusive. Yeah. You know, so. I
0: mean, at its core, these characters could be. Or, like, Vince could be a guy that says, Well, I'm now only going to hang out with movie stars. Or I'm only. But no matter where he goes, he always takes his friends because he knows that's how you're
2: going to have the most fun. Absolutely. And if you really see. LeBron James or, you know, a million other ones of these guys, they, they do the same thing. And there's a reason for it, you know, because it gives them their gives them a sense of where they're from instead of, you know, the, the bullshit. Stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, when you were writing, uh, when you were writing the show, uh, uh, when you were writing it, did, were you ever like, I want Val Kilmer to play this? Uh- well, Larry
2: Charles got Val-, Val Kilmer was like, you know, one of my guys that I just idolized growing up. Well, you sure, get to a point. I mean, <laughs> he
0: was in the movie Willow.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, he's, he's Brad's. Uh, he's Brad's Oprah, <laughs> pretty much. Sit. Sorry, my dogs. My dogs getting up. Oh, that's good. That's um, all right. He's very well behaved. <laughs> he is a good man. He's only six months old. No kidding. So um,
0: yeah, uh, it's like it's like when, when you have like a Val Kilmer guy. You yeah, you, yeah. You, so, you just say
2: so. Larry Charles is like, you want Val Kilmer for the show? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and Val, you know that was. Uh, the people still talk about that episode. As one it's of one of my favorite favorites. episodes. Yeah. So and great. Val Kilmer, he was just like one of those moments where you sit back and you watch and you're just in awe of how good this guy is. And right.
1: uh, It was fun. Uh, let's just not even skip over Larry Charles, though. Uh, I mean, the fact that Larry Charles is yeah. involved. I mean, like.
2: Yeah, Larry was, Larry was on the first season and Larry was, uh, you know, a godsend to keep peace between, you know, me and my buddy Rob Weiss. Who is my friend from uh, junior high school? Who I brought on to the show, Mm. and you know we're both very similar, argumentative, fearful Jews, and we just (laughs) we would be screaming at each other till four o'clock in the morning. We didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) I I mean, it didn't. By the way, would you be fighting about the stuff that just story ideas, and you know, and and I mean, because we're both very passionate about (laughs) what we believe, and by the way, it hasn't changed. Larry, the only bad thing about Larry was Larry told me like by season six. We'd have a formula. We'd be able to hire, hire uh, Harvard guys that would just knock them out. We wouldn't have yeah. to do anything. Yeah, that never happened. And I, you know, I tortured <laughs> myself for the entire run of the show and the movie. You know?
1: There's something great though, right? I think you do have to have like a little bit of that combativeness and the and guys get going at it to then
2: I find. Mean, we are those guys. you yeah. know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we we know it and we we lived it and it's uh, you know. Uh, I was thinking,
0: growing up, uh, growing up in New York, and the same being such a big fan of stand-up that you were, is that why you got a
2: uh, dice on the show? I was a huge fan of Dice. Dice, yeah. you know. I remember the first time I saw him on uh, the Dangerfield special. Right. Why are you eating my pants? Um, and <laughs> Brad, stop doing that. But Sorry. Dice, Dice, you know, which it's really great to me. And and by the way, one of the things I feel really great about that, and he'll tell you, I revived his entire life. You did. He did, feel, he, he did the Woody Allen movie know, right, he did right the Woody the Allen movie, Scorsese pilot. Um, he's got his own series now. He got his stand-up special back. And again, he thanks me. I didn't do it to help him I did it because I loved Dice growing up and what happened was I was at I don't even remember where I was but he was at Mulberry Pizza because him and my friend Bruce Rubenstein called me and they said Dice wants to be on the show I was like okay Dice is on the show and they thought I was messing around Yeah. and he's like no no don't, don't fuck around Dice really loves the show I'm like he's on the show there's nothing else to talk about it's yeah. done yeah. whatever let me figure out what the story is and that was it and he kept telling me, you don't understand, this is going to change my life. And I was like, okay, Dice, whatever, you know. But, <laughs> but I, I didn't do it for that. I did it because I believed in the guy's talent. And, you know, all the actors can tell you when he was on the set, he just pops, you know. And,
0: and, and I'm not, I'm it sure. totally shows because, I mean, I didn't know that he was capable of that sort of dramatic yeah. stuff and, be, and being real. And uh, you showed a complete new side of him to, to the rest of the world.
2: Yeah, he really was unbelievable. And I love the guy. <laughs> and good people, too.
0: Is it hard for you when you have, like, a childhood idol like Dice on set to then kind of give him instruction?
2: It's hard because it's Dice. I mean, yeah. I, I have no problems. I actually screamed at him. He said no one's ever spoken to him that way. But Dice, you know, <laughs> the first thing Dice did was come to me with with 10 pages of handwritten rewrites. And I said, yeah, this is not going to fly. <laughs> and Dice is, he really is one of the funniest people on the planet. Yeah. Earth, but, yeah. you know, and, and the best idea always wins. I don't care where it comes from. But... uh you know, Dice is, uh, he's, he's like me, you know, we want what we want, but uh, no, it wasn't hard for me to, it wasn't hard for me to blend in with him. I've had hard ones, like L- Larry David was, I was very great, sure, scene, but very, great cameo. very nervous, like with Larry David on the show. Even though I love Dice, he feels um, somehow more like, a, like my buddy, where yeah. Larry felt like right. this, you know, Entity. iconic, yeah. like a Shakespeare, you know what of I mean? Of course. Mm-hmm. So...
1: I Were you nervous very, about, like, what, uh, if very, he was going to be a fan of what you wrote for him and just...
2: Yeah, well... Didn't you guys just improvise that shit? Yeah, well, what happened there is he just wanted an idea, which is the first time we ever did that. But I was nervous to give him any type of direction or say anything to him, but it turns out he was great. And I gave him I gave him one idea, I, like, it was something that I thought was very simple and obvious, and I didn't want to say it, so that everyone was like, I'm Larry David. Yeah, I could do that, obviously, <laughs> you know. But I said something to him, and he's like, yeah, that works, and... uh it was a very happy moment in my life, but I, I love him. Uh, he was nice enough to come to my birthday party last Shut year. Shut up. Is, get you know, out. Which freaked my dad out. And, uh, <laughs> how, like, how is that? Yeah. Like, do, you, do, you, do you ever stop going, holy crap, this is my life? Does no, it my, does it ever become routine? My girlfriend called Larry yeah. for a surprise party, and I walked in to a surprise party, and there's my friends from sixth grade. And one of them goes, holy shit, Larry David's here. And I go, Larry David's here? <laughs> and he looks at me like like I'm a weirdo now because I know him, and he's like, yeah, I'm mean, here. Is that something weird? About wow! Because he doesn't think I look at him as some uh, right. you know holy figure necessarily. So yeah, yeah if, if Sean Kemp showed up to my surprise party, I'd lose my mind. <laughs> I mean, it was it was amazing. She got Jeff Ross to roast me. So no way. You know uh, that was uh, with Saget, and was very mm-hmm. very cool. So
1: how uh, uh, when Larry David, when you're having to when he's on the show, and you're like not wanting, are uh, you just have to put any sort of doubts that you have of like. Um, him
2: not being on board with what you You just have to no, completely trust. You're going. I didn't put any doubts aside. I stood there for 15 minutes before I said anything because I was really nervous to walk up to him, and uh, I finally did. And I, if I walked up 15 minutes earlier, we would have been done 15 minutes earlier because he was, <laughs> it was very simple, and he was very happy. And then they just did the scene, you know. So that kind of never goes
1: away. Finding the balance between because every actor is different, every working relationship is. I mean, yeah. figuring out like how to absolutely and again, communicate it's, with you
2: him. know. Guys that you really are in awe of are a different story than just having a great actor. And again, Larry could not have been easier to work with. So it was all just in my head. And don't, do people give you any sort of like, like he's,
1: he's this or he's that? Or no. Don't, he make, was, don't, 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 don't make eye contact with yeah. Larry David? No. He
2: just well, that's just, what they say
1: about Danny Bonaduce. You're well, not obviously. supposed to look Bonaduce in no, the Larry eye.
2: Larry is, is nice as can be and very just warm and supportive, you know? Um, as, as you
0: continue writing, is has success made writing more difficult cuz you're not exactly like the like the starving artist anymore. I hate
2: writing. You know I I, <laughs> I never really liked it and I love directing. I love producing. I hate mm-hmm. writing. It's uh-huh. always very hard for me. I'm very very hard on myself so I, I just go over things over and over and over. It kind of like yeah. a you know, like a OCD person which I might be, but you know, just very very torturous process even writing stupid shit even sure. stuff people hate you know <laughs> do you start with this like a is it blank piece
1: of paper bullet point ideas for stories or I usually start dialogue? writing
2: which is the worst thing in the world and I back myself into corners and then I try to figure out what the story is which is why I always hated when people said it was predictable because I couldn't figure it out so I don't know how, uh, <laughs> how they did but. When, when when the series was done
0: was there always the thought that there was going to be a movie or, or, did that, or, or did that come later
2: I mean HBO made a deal with me for a movie script I didn't really think there was going to be a movie I ran into Mark and, and he was like where's the script Where, you know everybody's mm-hmm. waiting I was like who's waiting at what point in the, se- in the show it was is probably this? a year and a half after we were done um, I didn't know if there was an appetite for it at all so he said write it I guarantee I'll get it made so I Fuck. wrote it and, uh, and here we are uh, how many drafts of the uh, I mean, a do- lot yeah a yeah. lot one completely thrown in the garbage that I thought was great. Get out. Well, well, I
1: mean, Nobody liked it. That's where Vince opens up a discovery zone in, uh, in Detroit <laughs> for it. only fat kids.
2: You know, uh, it's, w- uh, you know, it's one of those things. Sometimes I say, you know, I'm not really sure. I mean, I've written stuff that, that people I really respect are like, you are unfucking believable how good you are. And I've written stuff that the same people are like, I can't stand this. I'm like, and I, I'm not sure I know the difference. It's very subtle subtle differences that they Mm -hmm. they, you know one of the very difficult things about screenplays I'm not still not sure I'm wrong might have been a better movie I'm not going to sit here and tell you it wouldn't I don't know but you know I wrote a script in AFI when I was at AFI and my producer you know we were sort of students but there's professionals there too and he was friends with a very successful screenwriter who had written all these huge movies and uh the guy who wrote the movies wrote about my 12-page short film for the American Film Institute. What? He wrote an entire letter to my friend how awful this was, how mean spirited <laughs> it was, how terrible it was. And I remember just going like, Why? holy shit. <laughs> and then I, I shot the film. Yeah. You know, and he wrote me an apology that he had read the tone. Completely wrong, Wow. and it was one of those real learning lessons for me that you got to keep going with what you believe. Obviously, yeah. it becomes hard if, if the people who have the money don't believe it, but you just got to keep going with your instincts and and see where they take you. And so I,
1: that's so that's just a constant battle of when you're like, I think this is yeah. the moment. This is what we. Yeah. This is the story. But there's people being like,
2: Yeah, but I've I've long you know I used to be very like this is what I'm doing. This is what it. Is. I, I don't care anymore. I'm like mm-hmm. not that I don't care. I know there's a lot of ways to slice it you know what i mean and i'm willing to continue to work until all the people that i trust are on board with it yeah. so i'm not i don't go in like this is it Just yeah like, fuck you yeah you know? and, and
0: do you do you think sort of where you came from your cut your you kind of allow people to do that now or like uh you kind of take your ego out of it i
2: mean i definitely take my ego out of it i definitely don't i i definitely i I think it was more fear when I started you know you're mm-hmm. like, someone doesn't like something you're like okay what do I do now they're yeah. Yeah. gonna fire me someone else is gonna do it like so now I, I do I take my ego I'm gonna out. have to go back to the Bonnie Hunt show yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly do you ever think about uh, your skills on that show uh, contributing to your skills uh... no no I did nothing on that show I was there for six weeks <laughs> she didn't Talk to the writers. You know, I was on there with, with my friend Chris Henchy, who's... I just we, had dinner with Chris we, in New, we, we New York. Bo- we've both gone on to successful times, but Bonnie was... Uh, I mean, it was the worst experience because what happened with Bonnie, Bonnie was... Uh, it's funny because this is classic Hollywood, too. I never got into the show, but Bonnie... I did a movie with Bonnie that I wrote and directed, and Bonnie thought I was so funny that she told me I had to act in it with her, and we did a scene together, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, the movie was done for a million and a half dollars. Universal picks it up, and... Uh, it's uh you know, I'm on my way to success in nineteen ninety eight. I'm getting offers offers oh, which don't happen. Yeah. Right. And then this movie comes out that cost one point eight million dollars. It mm-hmm. opens up at two point three million dollars, which I thought was a success. You're like, Hey but, you made money. But everyone thought it was a giant studio movie. People thought it was a big movie. Was and this I, kissing a fool? This was kissing a fool. Yeah. And people thought it was a Universal Studios movie, not a million and a half dollar movie. Yeah. So right. I was—I swear to God—I was unemployable. Nothing. I was getting ready to take my L sets again, and then I'm like, you know what? Bonnie Hunt was doing a show, and you know, I called her up, which is—I uh, have—I uh, <laughs> have the the great. You got podcast. Bonnie Hunt's cell phone number? I called up. <laughs> I called up Bonnie Hunt to do to do this show, and uh, she hired me again. I was I was uh, doing pretty okay, and yeah. then all of a sudden mm-hmm. I'm dead. She hired me to be the lowest level person on the show, which okay, I was going to take some. Get a pie. job, yeah. I yeah. made two movies that played around the world. I'd uh, made enough money to buy myself a house in Beverly Hills, and I'd done okay. But I'm like, okay, I'm good for you to step back and take that though. And um, you know, on my movie, which was a, a big moment for me, she told me, you know, Doug, only you and Cameron Crowe have I not rewritten everything they did, so. I wow. love your writing. And I called my parents. up on my Bonnie Hunt said me and Cameron Crowe, this and that. <laughs> so this is like a bad Hollywood story. So now cut to I'm on the Bonnie Hunt show. She honestly doesn't even – she doesn't even acknowledge us. Chris and I, and I forget who else is there, but we've certainly proven that we were worth at least saying hello to in yeah, the morning. Yeah, sure, didn't. Sure. So um, we sat there for about 12, 10 weeks, and then she kept telling us when the show gets picked up for more. She wants to really do it in the beginning. When the show gets picked up for more, then – She'll really involve everybody else. Like, great. So I'm at the uh, every day was like I wrote Entourage while I was on the show. Actually, oh, I wrote shit. that script while I was there because I was doing nothing there. Wow. We were playing practical jokes on each other. Like, I would I bought a license plate frame and put it on uh, Chris's car that said I'm married to Brooke Shields, <laughs> and, and Chris put I love cock on my on That's my, quite the my jump, day, yeah. Which I ended a little, up using. Bit of a I used in the show. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I drove around with that for days, and people kept looking at me. I'm like, what? what is, what's going on? Here? Hey, man, everyone's seen kissing a fool, huh? Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> So, anyway, so Chris calls me and tells me that, that the show just got picked up, and Bonnie came in, give him the thumbs up. Would I, can I get some champagne? We're all going to celebrate. Yeah. And I kind of had a feeling like this was, like, not the right <laughs> thing to do. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I, I buy a bottle of champagne, and by the time I get there, there's, like, two writers crying, Chris is shaking his head, and I walk in, and Bonnie fires everybody. Oh, what? Now, bad enough. actually. She didn't fire one person. My hand to God, the words she says are, guys... I don't want anyone to take this personally because you're all great, but only Frank over here and Cameron Crowe have I not rewritten in my life. So that was oh. that, there's a three-year gap between those two comments, which happened. Yeah, and I then said some very choice words there, which I think <laughs> even Chris was like, "Whoa, whoa."
1: Well, you're only going to get so many chances to tell off Bonnie Hunt. You then. know,
2: I. I so, Jesus, I, I know, think
0: I think that's going to be the name of your autobiography.
2: You know, I hate Bonnie Hunt. You
0: know, uh, <laughs> betrayed
2: by Bonnie I mean,
0: Hunt. Betrayed by the Bond. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Uh, so. Well, I think you brilliantly uh, fed. There's so many uh, stories in the movie, and I feel like uh, you did such a great job of, of not only pulling like from, you know, how the show ended, uh, you know, and um, giving everybody like a great. Uh, you know story to have in in the movie and uh without uh spoiling it too much because it's a go up monday and the movies just came out
2: <laughs> just came out um
1: stays up. are you going to it will uh are you going to make the uh vince movie that you guys uh
2: you know what we talked about show the trailer for it would definitely be fun to do it um well. But uh, I don't know. That was the craziest thing ever.
0: Yeah, it was fun. Uh, well, well, please don't, well, please don't spoil it for me because I'm about to go see the movie right after we're afterward. Oh, doing you haven't this. seen it yet? I, I, I haven't seen it yet. I'm so. I hope you're I'm,
2: bringing a lot of people with you. I'm, uh,
0: l- l- listen, it was funny at the uh, charity dinner that I met you at last night. Uh, I, I told Kevin Connolly that I was going to go see the movie, and Kevin goes, "Yeah, bring seven of your friends." I go, "Why does it have to be seven, Dick?" Because how much Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he had one of those moments where he's like, "I could, I, I could have said any number. Why did I
2: say seven? That's uh,
1: Yeah. What? Tell, you guys got to give me a few stories from this charity dinner last night. So, so I, this charity dinner last night. So great charity, charity dinner
2: for you know Bob Saget invited us uh, for this scoliderma. Yeah. I hope that I pronounced Scleroderm- it right. But scleroderma? Scleroderma. Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm gonna start a new podcast called "Can You Pronounce uh, Diseases."
2: It's tough. It's a tough one. Yeah. But, but meaningful. Uh, to of Bob course. and yeah. His family and uh, it's really a
0: great event and it was you know, the, yeah it was fantastic yeah. uh there was a you now there was a lot li- there's there a live auction where you and kevin were going back and forth on a uh trip to new york
2: do you know what he did or no did you no. realize what he did i, I mean, have n- i have no idea what he did i mean i love you kevin it was the dumbest thing i've ever seen in my life
1: like five more minutes Is that we're, cool? we're
2: yeah we're bidding on this thing yeah and we're up to i don't remember eight thousand nine thousand whatever it was mm-hmm. and kevin's like you want to split it and i'm like sure you know so I bid nine. I think I bid 9,000 and Bob Saget goes going once going twice and Kevin goes 10 <laughs> and I'm like are you a fucking idiot? Like we just we're splitting it I yeah, you had it for 9,000 I had it for 9,000 no. and then and you know Kevin is the best he's like a brother to me but he gets all defensive he knows he fucked up but he gets all yeah. defensive he's like charity, bro. <laughs> I'm like, look, I understand it's the a charity, ultimate, but we can just, you know, we can give them a hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but we were bidding. That's part of the fun of the auction is to yeah. like, get the best price. Yeah, and, and then if you want to donate a separate thousand dollars, you can do that. But right. I didn't. I didn't authorize that bid. <laughs> so, but well, it was it was pretty funny.
0: Yeah, I mean, you had you had that memory. I had the memory of being outbid on a trip to the Bahamas by Queen Latifah. <laughs> so, I mean, she I, went high. She went high. How many times yeah. is that going to happen in your life? Yeah, You're yeah. like, well, I lost out to Queen Latifah. That's yeah. the name of my autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> I like it.
1: I like it. <laughs> uh, we're there, and you said uh, uh, so. Kimmel and Saget hosted
0: this thing. Yeah,
2: uh, it's Saget's so it's, charity. Yeah, Kimmel
0: Bob. hosted the uh, auction. Yeah, which
2: I think it's Bob thing though. But it was it was great. You know, Don Rickles was there. Yeah.
1: Do you know? I mean, you've got to know Rickles.
2: Got to know who Rickles. I've met him a couple times. Yeah. I, I, I I said hello, but you know I don't think he knows who I am. But uh, I love him. I've seen him probably honestly 15 times in my life. Yeah, in con- you know on stage. Um, so you know everyone from Don Rickles to John Mayer to Queen Latifah to Jack Black. So yeah. It was a, it was a very very cool event. Were there any uh, big
1: names there? Or were- <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, you know, no just one couple, else. You know. Just a couple of struggles. Kevin Connolly. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, nice.
0: Now I've met Rickles one time in my life and while I was there at the charity (laughs) he makes eye contact with me and calls me over I'm like oh my god he remembers meeting me eight years ago backstage at Jimmy Kimmel this is unbelievable so I so I walk over he goes I just wanted to tell you I watch your show on HBO every Sunday night. <laughs> You're very talented. I'm like, wait, is he punking me or does he actually think uh, I'm Dinklage? Yeah. You know, and
2: now I feel bad. I have a Dinklage line in the movie. And I, <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, please. Oh, I mean, wait, are you insulting Dinklage? Because no. if you do. Uh, no, because I love Dinklage. He was on the show and he was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um it's not an insult to Dinklage; it's an insult to Connolly. But uh, <laughs> perfect. But now I'm
1: wondering too when getting Dinklage for the movie. Like if he couldn't have done it, I'm wondering how far down you would have gone before my <laughs> man Brad here would have stepped into <laughs> the, the show, audition room.
2: Brad would have been. Brad would have been next. You know. Yeah, there it's, you go. It's great. great. We man. got you know we got Pete mm-hmm. in the show early on. You know before he becomes a big star. You yeah, know? no He kidding. had done the. Um, he had done I think Elf movie, and that's like no, that he didn't even do thing. Elf yet. He had done. Nope. Um, the Station Agent. Oh, right. shit.
0: Yeah. It was, you know, it, it, was, it was a great little independent film. Great independent
2: did. film. And... Put him on uh the map. We saw him in it, and I guess I, I called him up, and uh, he was he was awesome and willing to have fun.
0: Now, you said you've never said no to someone. Has anyone said no to you? Oh, that, yeah. Lots oh, of, yeah? Lots, Pete and lots and lots and lots and lots of yeah.
2: I've never called Pete. I would. Pete would be great. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I mean, everybody from uh, Jimmy Page. Wow. To, wow. uh, uh <sighs> Now, do you take phone numbers out going,
0: no way am I going to call this
2: guy. I don't call them personally, yeah. obviously, unless I somehow get a connection to him. We call the agent.
1: Yeah. But even yeah. The, the relationships, and then we'll wrap this up, uh, the relationships, I feel like, is such a big part of it that you've hit on a bunch. And you told a story, I think, on Jerry's, and maybe there's a shortened way
2: to tell, but the way that you got Bono for... Um... Well, we had Bono, Brian Burns, who's Eddie Burns' his brother. Right. He got Bono the first time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The second time is the real interesting story. But uh, the first time... The Dodgers turned us down, and I, I was, again, in one of my panics. What are we going to do now? And I told Brian Burns, who's, who knows Bono, go get You 2 Stop fucking around and go get You 2 But I was joking, and then he calls back. They'll do it. So yeah. we got You 2 Wow. But then, cut to eight years later, the series finale, Matt Damon's doing the show. Mm-hmm. And Matt says, you know, Bono's going to do it. He's going to He's gonna yeah. do an iChat. Trying yeah. to give you donate. He's going to do an iChat for the charity mm-hmm. with yeah. him. So you shoot the computer. Blank, and then we go get Bono. But then Matt Damon leaves town, and, and I, I have no idea where Bono is, how I'm calling him. And I don't have his fucking number, and I'm like, <laughs> what do I do? And uh, my friend Will McDonough, who's, who's Tom Brady's friend, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to uh, Dublin. Just give me the script. I'll, I'll get it shot there. Jesus. Like, when you get it shot there, you, <laughs> What are you going to do it doing? Like, He's like, I'm going to the U2 concert. I'm like, so you know him? You're going to walk up to him? He's like, just give me the script. I'll get it done. So I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I have this video from Pano that they shot with like <laughs> his crew, you know, which which works fine. Except he has done it like either he's never seen the show yeah. or he was he was you know it wasn't his right mind. He does it in a very weird way. And he's talking to Vince on the phone. He's like Vincent Chase. <laughs> so what if he thought it was like, some Halloween special you yeah, guys were he was doing? Like, yeah. Jacob Marley, like the Bono of Christmas Past or something. So, so I wake up and I'm like, I'm in a panic. I'm like, what am I going to do? I call Will. I go, Will, I can't use this. Yeah. We're airing in four weeks. I, I, I have to get this done. He's like, here's this guy's number, whatever. I email him like a two-page, I am so sorry. If I could talk to you for 90 seconds, yeah. I know that we cannot tell you how not to easy, ruin my show. You know? yeah. I, mean, I don't want to say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, but, you know, uh, so. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think I got on the phone with him. I think I just emailed. I go, this should be as real and grounded as you can make it, as if you're having this conversation with Matt. Don't try to be funny. Don't try to be anything. Just just have the conversation. And I got it back the next day. And uh, wow, good guys, you know. And you two, you know, which is that my and you top guys five bands to have them, and, yeah. yeah,
1: unbelievable. And you guys, I, I think again, I heard on Jerry's podcast where you said that you guys like filming that episode at the concert was so run and gun, guerrilla style. Oh yeah, And even having him, you didn't even know that he was... Well, yeah, I you, didn't
2: know when he was going to say happy birthday Johnny Drama, and then he said it in Spanish, and we weren't <laughs> even sure, and the lights were going down, and, and I'm looking at Dylan like, <laughs> go crazy. You yeah, know? I mean, we didn't know what was happening, and then we saw it, and it was magical. You know? Because you, you guys know? were all in the crowd, right? I or was you were standing next to the guys and I'm on a yeah. sidekick, that's how long ago this is, no and kidding. I'm talking to my whole crew. We weren't allowed, no cameras on the floor, so they were all around the upper echelon. So I don't even know what the camera's seeing and I'm talking to my crew and I'm like, you know, typing away on my sidekick, which by the way is still the easiest device to type on my <laughs> <laughs> but, Little shout out. Yeah, you know, shout but, out to but, sidekicks. Uh, so I don't know what happened to them, but <laughs> um, but that was, uh, it was unbelievable and when we got the footage three days later because it was a Friday, we couldn't get it until Monday. It was... It was magical. Yeah, that wow.
1: shit makes the. I mean, it's a, that stuff too. When the episode ends, that you're just like, again, looking at my roommates, being like, "Hey, I got to stop playing Wolverine at Universal
2: Studios. You got to <laughs> stop working at fucking Chipotle, and we got to." You know, I did. You know, I always tell the story. I lived with. Uh, I probably shouldn't shouldn't talk about it, but I lived with a girl from high school, mm-hmm. and she was the most go getter. Loud Long Island girl, and it was Chantel Luttenberg. Oh my God! (laughs) Could not get (laughs) more Long Island. Long Island name. I would wake up. My first six months out here, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. And every day, I would wake up to Chantel on the phone. (laughs) following up on her resumes and she'd be like hi this is Chantelle Luttenberger C-H-A-N-T-E-L-L-E-L-U-T-T-B-E-N-G-E-R blah 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 that's Chantelle C-h-a. and I would go shut the fuck up and she would walk out of that apartment every morning and go you never get to amount to anything Whoa. never that- I'm gonna get a job at Bed Bath and & Beyond and you'll be begging me for towels and by the way I believed her I'd be like I don't yeah. know I had Fuck. no idea what to do. Zero. <laughs> there was so many days, which is like hanging out with Mike Young, eating three-hour breakfast, going, what are we going to do? How you know? are <laughs> so, we going to do this? Yeah,
1: so. at, what, uh, at what point uh, do you just finally... I mean, I guess you're saying, like, what am I going to do? But then you always... There's only so long you can sit in that space before you just put pen to paper or yeah, try that's to... that's what I
2: did. I made the short film that change my life i'm not gonna tell you change my personality because i still say like what am i gonna do if this movie doesn't go if this doesn't do yeah. this if this doesn't do that so it's a never ending battle fear motivates me anger yeah. and fear that's kind of my two emotions so yeah good call um, so that's pretty much it <laughs> um
1: thank you so much for doing yeah. this yeah absolutely Bef- thank before, you this is you're the fucking best and this is a, a giant treat for both you of us got it. um real quick from either from the movie favorite moment making it or from the show favorite episode I know those are two, like, giant questions, but...
2: I mean, I don't want to not sell the movie because I had such a great time making the movie, but, but shooting at Yankee Stadium with my father and my children and oh. 40 or 50 of my childhood friends all as extras and having run of Yankee Stadium with, with my buddy Mark Deschera and yeah. A-Rod, who I don't know as well, but, like, to be on that field... Right. With all, everyone I care about, like watching me, it's know, like that, that was that. It's like that's your make a wish. Yeah, I mean, right, it really, right, right it, it really was pretty special. So
0: that's amazing. uh well, I can't wait to see the movie. I'm and I'm dead serious when I say I'm going right from here to go see it. And okay. I'm dead serious when I say it's fucking incredible.
1: At the Appreciate screening, it. I've already seen it uh, since then, and uh, and it's awesome. Even if you haven't seen the show, it's just uh, you again. Like you did a great job of just like everything makes sense. Uh, you know who everybody is. It's fun as fuck. It's shot
2: beautifully. So all all I wanted to do when this movie ends is people go. I love hanging out with those guys, and I want to hang on the more. That's it. It's not, you know, and again, I do think it's a very realistic portrayal of totally. Hollywood. But mm-hmm. all I want is for you to have a good time and go, I, I got away from whatever my life is for an hour and a half, and I really enjoyed myself. There.
1: And I, if you don't like it, Bonnie Hunt wrote the movie. So. <laughs> exactly. All right. Oh. Thanks, Doug. Thanks a lot, Doug. dog's fighting <laughs>